Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Today we're talking about the movie Uncle Sam from 1996. This is one of your six movies from a year that ends in six that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, Nobody knows about that. That's a, I know. It's a board game geek thing. So, um, but that's why you picked this one, right? Or one of the reasons. Yes. I looked for movies that looked interesting from 1996. You can Google horror movies of any year number you want, and you'll get a bunch. And this was, this one seemed like an interesting choice. It did. And I don't know if you included it at the end of uh, yesterday's podcast or not, but I had said something about because of the image that they used on the movie poster, I had in my head that it was, this was going to be something along the lines of Team America, that like ridiculous yeah. marionette movie that the guys who made South Park made it. Yeah. So I kind of had this connection in my head. It is nothing like that, much like you warned Quite me last different. night. Yeah. <laughs> And not just because it wasn't puppets, but it did have a little bit of similarity that I think we should talk about later. Okay. So basically, Uncle Sam is the story of a Gulf War vet. I don't know that that's the right word to use because he's not alive anymore, but he is running around killing people. You'll never guess what his name is. Huh. Is it Sam? You'll never guess whether he has a nephew or not. I'm going to guess that he does. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, so Sam was killed by friendly fire during his time in the Gulf War. Yeah. Three years later, they find his body and they send it home. And he goes on a killing rampage. Like a lot of corpses do. All around town. Basically going after anyone who has ever made him angry or said or done anything that he considered offensive toward the United States or, like, patriotism. Yep. Yep. Which is a a question I have for later. So I feel like I saw you taking notes of all of the different reasons why people got killed by Uncle Sam in this movie. Every time they introduced a new character, I was like deciding whether that was a target or not. And usually it was pretty much almost every character that got introduced had some reason. I mean, basically he wanted to kill everyone except his nephew. And then by the end of the movie, he wanted to kill his nephew. Did he? I mean, maybe not overtly, but since his nephew was trying to kill him. Oh, right. (laughs) You know. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what are some of the things that people did that made them targets to uh, the vengeful Uncle Sam? Well, let's begin. I actually checked off everyone here except one. Okay. And that one was questionable to begin with. 
there was a hippie, that's in quotes. Well, you know what? He was a hippie during the Vietnam War. Yes. A draft dodger. He was now a perfectly respectable <laughs> teacher. You yes. would not guess by looking at him that he had been a hippie or a draft dodger. Yeah. There was a tax evading lawyer who every year plays Abe Lincoln in the town 4th of July parade. That part wasn't so much offensive as the other part. Yes. Um, which is interesting. This is... This guy's politics are interesting. <laughs> there were, oh, flag-burning Nazi youths. Yes, this was back <laughs> in the days when the Nazis were definitively bad. Yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even this guy who wanted to kill anyone who disrespected America was going after the Nazis. Yes. Today, mm. I'm not so sure. You don't know which side they're on. Oh, there was the peeper who dressed as Uncle Sam himself on stilts. Yeah, that was bizarre. There was a, like was a whole really lengthy strange. scene of a guy in an Uncle Sam costume on stilt legs that allowed him to look into the second floor window of a house. Like they were huge. I Yeah, I think it doesn't sound that impressive when you say second floor window, but they were just, they were twice his height each. Possibly three times. Yeah. Like, he was way in the air. It was weird. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's a real thing, but man, it looks so strange. Especially as he was, like, running through the park trying to get away from yeah. the killer Uncle Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Who then stole the outfit and became Uncle Sam for this movie. No stilts, though. No. Yeah, before that, he was he had been badly burned in yeah. whatever firefight that killed him so it was just him in his burned crackly skin then we have the bad anthem singer slash potato sack race cheater also he was the one remaining nazi i think yeah probably because only two of the three nazis were killed because he did a shout out to his two nazi friends who had disappeared oh at the beginning before he was like this one's for you guys and then he sang the national anthem terribly because that's a thing Nazis would care about. Yeah, so terribly. <laughs> of course, there's the crooked politician. Then there's the dirtbag cop slash guy who his wife is now into now that he's been dead for years. Right. So he's like, he's got double motivation there. This one was a bit of a surprise for me. A girl who just wanted to smoke a little weed. Hey, drugs are bad. Yeah, but I th- she met up with the cop. And so I thought that scene was going to lead into the cop getting killed. But no, he actually killed the weed girl. Weed girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And his, actually his first victim, technically, is the sergeant who came to the house to tell the wife that the guy was definitely dead now. He'd been missing in action for years. And his whole issue was that he goes around telling widows about their dead husbands that's like his thing. I mean, not so much his thing as his job. And his thing. <laughs> his thing is making romantic overtures at these women. <laughs> That's a, a genteel way of saying it. Indeed. I was going to say his thing is taking advantage of great yes grading widows yeah rating them on their on their hotness and then taking advantage <laughs> of the ones that rated highly enough. Yeah. So. Uncle Sam was doing us a favor. I mean, there were a couple of those that I was like in a normal horror movie, I'd be like, well, this guy needs to die. Yeah. But it, it's a little tougher when you know that the range of who is bad enough to be murdered goes from <laughs> weed girl mm-hmm. to Nazi youth. <laughs> yeah. 
the Nazi youth. I mean, which is that's my big question out of this movie is like I'm so confused by the message of this movie, by what the politics of this movie are, because mm -hmm. he's clearly this very right wing character. He's going all out for patriotism and standing against all those dirty liberals. Yes, but. He is very clearly portrayed throughout the movie as a terrible person. Nobody likes him. Worst man ever. It, it is clearly stated that he was abusive toward his wife. And his sister. Well, physically abusive toward his wife. It is strongly suggested that he was physically and possibly sexually abusive toward his sister. Yeah, I it was don't very know. unclear. They did not make that clear, which is good. Yeah, he was a dirtbag and nobody, not even the people closest to him, liked him. The only person who was mourning his death was his nephew, Jody. So here's the thing. I, I understand your question because the movie was all over the place. Yeah. But I feel like the fact that he was so clearly portrayed as a negative person and that the real true story arc of the whole movie is Jody going from hero worshiping him true to realizing that he was not a good person and that maybe all of these things that he taught him are not necessarily the right yeah. things and and by the end i mean the end of the movie jody takes all his military toys <laughs> and ceremoniously burns them in a barrel Which in the again, backyard is way over the top yes and the the other tricky bit about it though is all the victims are also portrayed as quite evil Yes. Like these, uh, the tax evading lawyer, like he comes over, he's wooing the sister of Sam, which is Jody's mom. Yeah. Because Jody obviously is the nephew of Sam so that Sam can be an uncle. <laughs> right. And so he's over for dinner and he's terrible and he's like, hey, sport. Uh, and all yeah. those terrible things. So cheesy. Like, he makes a big deal out of, hey, you know, I just successfully robbed the government of millions of dollars. Isn't that great? <laughs> See, and here's the thing. I think it wasn't so much that he was tax evading as he was doing it to rob from the government. Like, that yeah. was, it was very clear. It wasn't just like, I'm trying to help people out to not spend money, which, you know, is the yes. same. It's the same thing either way, but it was the way it was. <laughs> portrayed is yeah. very much like he is not a patriot yeah which is funny because nowadays trying to avoid taxes as much as possible is very much the right-wing position <laughs> it's the only if you're not doing that <laughs> then you're dumb yeah exactly <laughs> take it from the president so it had this whole thing where it was it, it didn't take a political stance which is fine except that it was confusing <laughs> no it very much took a political stance i'm going to disagree with you on that i think this was one of the original like sjw movies oh, really? so hardcore it was done terribly oh it was and I think it was supposed to be almost comedic in it. It was it was supposed to be over the top. It was. But all the liberals were shown as so bad that I, it seems weird that that would be the position. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was more of a libertarian stance. Just <laughs> that's it. People maybe suck. this was also made by the South Park guys. <laughs> it that's the similarity. I was like, that's that's the thing. It's a very different movie, but also pretty much carries the same message, which is people are terrible. End of story. <laughs> yeah. And doesn't period. matter what you believe, you're <laughs> terrible. Yeah, and, and everyone should be left to fend for themselves and we don't care about you. Did 
his mentor die at the end of the movie? I can't remember. I don't believe so. Okay. So in, in line with the message of people are just generally terrible, the only three people who survive being attacked by Uncle Sam are his nephew, mm-hmm. his nephew's friend. Oh, yeah, that's who right. The was, kid who was blinded by fireworks. Yes, who was horribly disfigured by fireworks the year before. I mean, that's what the movie was saying. <laughs> yeah. He had burn scars on his face. <laughs> a little scar. Uh, this a is, perfect, a Twizzler on his cheek. <laughs> no, no, no. This one definitely looked more. Yeah. I was noting that this is like the third or fourth movie we've watched where someone has some version of burn scars as a form of disfigurement and or them being a monster of some kind. Hmm. Yeah. Um, this kid was not portrayed as a monster. He did have some like supernatural <laughs> yes, talents he had because psychic powers. <laughs> he was blind and so apparently his other senses had kicked in in, yeah, in totally. a sort of ridiculous way. So it was those two kids who were fighting Uncle Sam at the end, and Uncle Sam's mentor who had been had been in the Korean War and had taught Sam all of these patriotic things. But then once he came back from Korea, was this this mentor was very disillusioned with everything about, you know, war and yeah. the government and patriotism and all of that stuff. That's how he ended up on my target list was I was like, oh, he's no mm-hmm. longer supporting war. He's going to get killed for mm-hmm. it. And that's going to be the big showdown. But no, Sam never really had an issue with him until he fired cannonballs at Sam. Right. And I think that that was part of the message of the movie is that these people who didn't do other terrible things like smoking weed (laughs) or burning flags or, you know, who weren't doing things that, I mean, most of the people on that list, I'm like, okay, well, uh, yeah, you kind of suck. You're kind (laughs) of a bad person. And people are like that. Like, they were the kind of bad person where you're just like, you know what? I'm not going to hang out with you. I disagree with what you're doing. That's it. You know, like, the most you can do is shun them. You can't murder them for the things oh, they're doing. you can't. No. Even today, like, like I said, you know, ranges from weed girl to Nazi youth. <laughs> Even today, the people who are extreme Nazis, I'm like, I don't think it's appropriate to go around murdering you. Yeah. You know, so... I mean, I, I don't think the movie suggested you should murder people of No, any it sort. didn't. But it did make all... Like, I agreed that most of these people had some questionable morals and ethics, and I probably wouldn't spend a lot of time hanging out with them. Is that maybe Weed Girl? She seemed like she might be cool. Yeah, I don't think there was anything wrong with her. <laughs> this was back in the 90s when weed was a, you know, serious drug. <laughs> But those three people who end up fighting Sam and surviving are ones who they didn't have any negative qualities. Like Jody, they went, I mean, he was an angsty kid and he was traumatized because his dad was gone and his uncle had died and whatever. But he, he wasn't portrayed as a bad person. Yeah. And so he was, he had struggles, he grew from them, and he learned to think beyond jingoistic patriotism. And I think that is the, like, both of those guys had that quality, and I think that was, like, the thing we were supposed to learn. Uh, That sounds good. It was very poorly done, but it sounds good. 
I mean, it's wild to me that I so strongly agree with what I think the message of this movie is. Go beyond jingoistic patriotism. Yeah. And still so wildly disagree with just about everything that was done in the movie. Yeah. And this movie sounds very silly and cartoonish, but actually that's what I expected. And the actual movie is real serious almost. Like there's very little silliness. Like like even something like Friday the 13th has a bunch of silliness in it. Like yeah. The way Jason kills people is brutal, but it's also kind of, you know, it's meant to be ironic that he does a certain thing that, you know, interacts with what that person was about or whatever. There's a joke there. Yeah. This movie was just a serious thing, which is funny because the premise was so stupid and ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And the very beginning of the movie was also totally ridiculous when the corpse of Uncle Sam, like, ends up killing the guys who find his body. And, mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, don't worry, it's only friendly fire. Like, there was a joke. But then the movie's all serious. And not just serious. It's also got, like, artsy moments. Like, it's kind of confusing and hard to follow with, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, symbolic kind of funky stuff going on instead of just a straightforward narrative. Well, okay, that It's Only Friendly Fire was a very bitter, dark, angry yes. joke. Like, that's the thing. It, yeah. it, anytime it did something that could be construed as funny in a way, it was that, like, very gallows, bitter humor. The first two guys he killed, or maybe it was only the first one, he had a one-liner. And I was like, oh, I'm going to write down the one-liners that he does for all of these. Mm -hmm. That was it. He killed the peeping Tom, and he said, I hope you got an eye full, which Ugh. is not funny. Ugh. And then, oh, and of course he ripped out the guy's eyes, I think. I don't know. Something I like think that. so. And then when he killed the Nazi youths, his big one-liner was, good night, which I'm not real impressed by. I feel like you were really looking <laughs> I was just, for I was just listening for what he was saying. Whatever it was, I was writing it down. I'm not sure that there's a, I'm not sure that there are two points to make a line of he has one-liners. Well, had I a know. One -liner. I started writing him at the first one, and I thought I was going to get to write a bunch more. But no, yeah. it, it wasn't that kind of movie. It was like... No serious it, for some reason but but it had that wacky quality it was yeah. like if looney tunes meets <laughs> twin peaks yeah there was some of that it's that it was so earnest you know instead of embracing the ridiculousness of it all yeah like the ridiculousness the almost coyote roadrunner acme mm -hmm. you know piano falling out of the sky kind of ridiculousness if somebody watched cartoons like that watched looney tunes but took it seriously that's that would be a good horror movie <laughs> right setting anvils up above people's heads Yes. Yeah. Sort of, ooh, you know what movie captures a little bit of that, but did it much, much better and had actual funny humor in it? <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. Because that's yeah, kind you know, of serious. The whole Judge Doom aspect of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is that, you know, he's taking the ridiculous, doesn't hurt you stuff that the cartoons were doing and makes it murder them, make, you know, yeah. actually turns it into a crime. And that's almost the feel that this movie had, but it did not do it well at all. No. It was. It had the feel of like a an after-school special. It was, Jody was learning a lesson and... Yes. All very earnest. Well, that's a very, like, I mean, 1996. It yeah. definitely felt like Knowing that. was half the battle in this movie, for sure. <laughs> yes. 
And he did play with actual G.I. Joes. Yeah, can you you can confirm that? I wouldn't recognize I an actual G.I. Joe. I absolutely confirm that. He used a Destro to simulate... Oh, well, the guy who the, was dating his mom. Yeah. Tax evading Abe Lincoln mom dating guy. Yes, and Abe Lincoln, by the way, Uncle Sam tore a BB gun off of a, you know, shoot the ducks game at the fair, because it's 4th of July, fair's going on, and ended up shooting the tax evading lawyer in the temple while he was dressed up as Abe Lincoln sitting in his float. Oh, it, that was also supposed to be a that. joke. It wasn't a one-liner, but it was definitely I, a joke. It definitely was. Hilarious. I totally missed that. He was like up in his box. Yeah. Aside from that, Mr. Lincoln, how was the fair? <laughs> While we're on the subject of ways that Uncle Sam killed people. Okay. He killed one of the Nazi youths by spraying him to death with graffiti yeah, paint. Yeah, did that... That didn't kill him. He he buried him after that. Oh, right. He sprayed him with red, and then <laughs> white, and then blue. Yeah. I mean, there's all these things that make it sound like this is a silly, fun movie. Yeah. But it's not. No, it's it like, was not. That happened, but it was serious. Yeah. So weird. And so then he fell. Right. He fell in the, in the hole that had been dug to bury Sam because yeah. Sam's body had just been returned. And then he buried him one shovel full <laughs> at a time. This... Living human being who was, was awake. awake and moving around and yet somehow couldn't manage to get out from one shovel full of dirt at a time. Yeah, it seemed like a, a budget problem. <laughs> we have not mentioned, by the way, that Sam's wife and Sam's sister were basically identical. Oh, yeah. Sam definitely <laughs> married a woman who looked exactly like his sister, just a little bit younger. Very strange. Yes. Which I feel like sort of contributed to my whole, was what kind of abuse? I don't know. It was very, it was very strange. I, and I don't know, like it wasn't addressed in the movie at all. So I don't no. know if that was something that they were doing intentionally or if it was just a weird casting quirk. Only blondes allowed. Yeah. Blondes with a very specific look. <laughs> yes. So there was a line that I wrote down that Jed Crowley, the mentor-turned-disillusioned Korean vet, said during, like, the service for Sam. He was talking to Jody, and he was trying to convince him that, you know, this blind patriotism that he had used to have and that Sam had and that now this kid has, that it was a bad thing. Yeah. And he was comparing how the reason he told Sam to go into the army and, you know, like just turned him in that direction is because he he could see that he was an angry kid who liked hurting people and, and wanted to kill. So he's right. like, well, this is the best way to channel that. We sort of, okay, I'm being re reminded of Dexter again. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, his dad's like, well, maybe if you just <laughs> kill people you know are bad, then it's okay. It was sort of that idea. Yeah, I think so. But he says to Jody something about how it's better. And I can't remember the beginning of what it was, but he talks about how important it is to know who and what you're fighting for. Like he contrasts that with the idea of just wanting to go and kill people and that that's why you joined the military. And yeah. so I feel like there was a really important message there too. And that in particular kind of, it resonated with me a little bit because at the time, I mean, this movie was made in 1996, the same year I graduated from high school. And that means, like, 
I was, myself and my peers, we were of the age in 1996 and, and the couple years before where we were legitimately worried that the Gulf War would go on long enough and be yeah. bad enough that the draft would be put into place. And I, I was worried that kids I graduated with would leave high school go directly to the Middle East and die in a war. And that did happen. <laughs> like yeah. I have I there are definitely kids that I grew up with that I graduated with who went off to either the Gulf War or, you know, Afghanistan or Iraq or like there were all of those places over there. Yeah. And they didn't come home alive. I don't think they came home as the living dead either is good that is good that piece of this movie struck me because that was a very real concern at that time i mean you you were a little bit older yeah um you were already in college at that point i was concerned about the draft and not it's not actually then it was when i was in high school um the first gulf war yeah 1991 it was 91 and i remember being very concerned about it yeah and maybe that's where this movie comes from i i definitely think it played a part in it so it's something to be watching this movie that is 24 years old and know because i looked it up after the movie ended that we still have 13,000 troops in Kuwait. Yeah. 25 years later. You know, and that's just Kuwait. Like that's not all the other all the other countries and all the other like little I'm using little in an ironic sense, I guess, skirmishes because, you know, yeah, we're not at war anymore. Not wars for we, sure. We, we, we <laughs> it wasn't knows. a war, but then we won that war and now it's over and it's not a war anymore. Yeah. Everybody knows you have to declare <laughs> wars. Yeah. You know, that thing, it never turned into the draft-type war that we were concerned with. I think I think at that point, we still had ideas of the Vietnam conflict and the Korean War. Kerfuffle. <laughs> you know, we still had those ideas in our heads. So the draft was a really big deal and a really terrifying thing. And that piece of it didn't happen. But we have spent so many years and we have sent so many kids like Sam or kids like Jody, yeah, Jody. <laughs> off to die in these not wars for 25 yeah. that is gone on for 25 years. It was um, very sobering. That's where the tone of the movie is so confusing. Mm -hmm. Like it's such a ridiculous movie. And yet at the same time, it's not being very ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it's point of view is muddled. And I don't know what to make of this. My sense of it, and I did not look this up, so I cannot verify whether it's true or not, but my sense is that this movie was at the very least written, possibly directed and, and so on, by somebody who carries a lot of anger for personal reasons about some war like that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. because it came out in 1996, you know, I mean, it could be that it's somebody who had someone who died yeah. in the first Gulf War, you know, 1991 to 1993, I think it was when I looked it up, you know, but but it, it carries that very bitter anger that feels like it comes from personal experience of some kind. Yeah, you and might that be right sad. about that. If you're going to be sad, though, don't be sad in Jody's mom's house because she will not respect your grief at all. No. She was just like, shut up, Jody. Nobody liked him. Go to bed without your dinner. Right. I don't care that you thought he was a decent person or that you thought he liked you or anything. Oh. And he, he would do all sorts of things. Like, 
like he's down there fiddling around with the coffin because for some reason they delivered his dead body to her house to just hang out at her house for a while. Yeah. And he's sitting there fiddling with the coffin and she's like, get away from there, blah, blah. Like not even noticing the obvious cry for help that this is. Like, yeah, he's having problems. Right. And she's just like, whatever. And it was so obvious. Like, they brought the coffin in, and the first thing Jody says is, can I touch it? And then he basically tries to open it and climb inside. Yeah. Like, not literally, but... Only because he didn't get it open. Right. It was It was so... He was so drawn to it. He was so needing, like, just being sucked into it. And I think, you know, given what we've talked about, there is... I, I think that's one of those symbolic things. Like, he was being sucked into the same machine that had Ooh, killed Sam. That's artistic. Right? I I think there was a lot of meaning in this movie. I just think that the portrayal of it missed the mark somehow. Yeah, it did. Possibly because the person expressing these things, it was so close to them and it was so... Like, it just feels like there was so much emotion in the writing of it, in the creating of it, that they couldn't get enough distance yeah. To see how it was working. I don't know. I don't remember exactly how it was done or what point it happened. Um, but fairly early on in the movie, you know, at the very beginning, the the one guy makes the joke about friendly fire, which is sort of the thing that brought Sam back to life Possibly. to kill them. Like, I don't know, yeah. maybe like he, he heard that and just the sheer anger of what <laughs> was being said. But then later, once his body's been delivered to his sister's house, again, they're talking about friendly fire. And they were talking about it in this way that was like very propaganda laden in that friendly fire is inevitable. Even the hippie draft dodging teacher was like, those things happen. You know, sometimes, sometimes we kill our own people that we just have to accept that. And that was the piece where I was like, where is this coming from? Why is this character saying that? Yeah. What are what is how does that fit into the whole overall story? I was very confused about that and and significantly upset by it. Like it just struck me that that is such a horrifying thing to teach people, to teach children about what happens to people who go to war, yeah. to teach the people who volunteer to go to war for their country, like, well, we might kill you ourselves. That's just what happens sometimes. Yeah. You need to be okay with it. Like, it was just a very upsetting concept. Ratings. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to rate the Twin Peaks meets Looney Tunes. <laughs> style of storytelling i don't know what to do with it why have we had so many movies this month that were so difficult to rate they're just i don't know they're all over the place so this one is sort of the opposite of scarehouse in that i believe in my review of scarehouse i gave it a zero because i thought it didn't need to exist in the world like that it added unnecessary things to the world but that it had been done in a fairly decent way so i felt kind of bad giving it a zero this is the exact opposite i appreciate the message that this movie is telling but it did it in such a terrible way (laughs) so 
I just don't know what to do with that. I think I'm going to give this movie one potato sack out of five. And I'm giving it that point only because I think they were telling an important, necessary story. Huh. But that story's been told so many ways that got the message across, that did it in a better way, that this, I just don't, I don't know. It totally missed the mark. Um, and I don't think I can recommend this movie to anyone no. for any reason. I think that's wise. So, yeah, one potato sack out of five. Okay, yeah. I don't feel as secure as you do in the point this movie is trying to make. I think you make a good point that it's coming from this place of anger. and it, But it does such a good job of obscuring its perspective yeah. that I can't even legitimately decide what that message is. Understandable. And I, I really feel that tone is so confusing. N not just about the message, but the tone of really serious, kind of artsy, confusing, but it's just a dumb slasher where the slasher twice-ish makes one-liners. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's, he does other dumb things too. Like it's, the person who made this could have made a after school special movie about, you know, the body getting shipped home and all the secrets coming to light and everybody realizing how much they hated this guy. Great. That could have told all kinds of interesting stories, but he felt the need to make a slasher movie and that makes it a mess. Do you think that that's maybe a sign of how our perception of patriotism has changed since 1996? Like, do you think he was feeling like in order to get this message, he needed to serve it up on a bed full of slasher sugar? I, I don't... Yeah, that's very possible. Another possibility is that I think, this is not any kind of knowledge, but I think it's way easier to get a horror movie produced than anything else. Like, mm, mm -hmm. you know, there's tons of terrible horror out there and they're always willing to throw more of it out, I think. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's where you go if you want to be able to do something. Yeah, that could be. I was going to rate it so much higher, and then I heard your number, and I was like, it is really bad. I don't know why I was rating it higher. I mean, I don't want to influence your rating. Well, I didn't... Un I don't want to... Okay, I don't want to unduly influence <laughs> your rating. Well, I didn't like it. It's not a good movie. It kind of kept me entertained to a degree. I mean, part of that was the weird quality of it, like the level of quality that it had when I thought it was going to be schlocky. And it is, but it also isn't. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get off that train track right now <laughs> and give it two potato sacks out of five. Two potato sacks bumped aside by an annoying little blonde kid. Yeah. All right. I can see that. I, I almost went that way, too. Okay. So we go from that to what is our next movie? We couldn't finish up the month without returning to the fun and joy that is found footage. Oh, yay. Our next film is known as either Final Prayer or Borderlands. And everybody loves Borderlands. Woo! <laughs> so we'll call it Borderlands, but I'm pretty sure Final Prayer is how you'll find it. And it's from 2013. All right. We'll be back tomorrow.
Borderlands, woo!